So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Man fans. Ollie Man here with The Modern Man. It's a cracker of an episode this week. It's quite filthy. There's quite a lot of sexy bits in it. Uh, so that'll be enjoyable for all of us. Uh, before we crack on, though, uh, as ever, a few points of information. Uh, would you like to buy me Christmas dinner? I know that doesn't sound very appealing. Let me explain. The idea is uh, that me, uh, producer Matt, Ollie Peart and Alex Fox are looking for a location to record the Modern Man Christmas Spectacular episode. Uh, It's Wednesday the 16th of December. We're looking for a restaurant or a cafe or a bar or a corporate venue or a hotel. If you work in one of those places and you would like to serve us Christmas dinner uh, in return for getting promotion of your venue on the show on Wednesday the 16th of December, if you can offer us that hospitality, it'd be awesome. Uh, It should be really, really fun. We want to record our whole Christmas episode there. Uh, Then reach out, get in touch, modernman.co.uk, click on feedback, let us know uh, where you are. doesn't have to be London, by the way. Let us know what you can offer, uh, and also personality, why your place is special. Uh, And hopefully we can sort that out. It's a bit of a punt, but, uh, you know, the whole series has been a bit of a punt, frankly, and it's working out quite well so far. Uh, So thanks for that in advance. Uh, Right, this week you're going to learn how to win a beauty pageant using just what's in your pants. You're going to learn how to approach a stranger in a bar uh, and which gift card to buy granddad this Christmas. Sounds like a good show, doesn't it? Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. On this week's Modern Man. They would offer you a £50 bonus if the man got to kiss a woman. I pick up some tips from a pickup professional on how to pick up a partner. Lots of folk have to use very particular terminology to get round eBay's selling rules. And down the foxhole, Alex has advice for a listener who gets a kick out of feet. But first, it is time for the zeitgeist. Ollie Peart is here. Ollie, what is the hottest thing in your unseasonal barbecue of charcoal hot? Television. That's an old invention. It is, and it's not quite accurate either. Great. Yeah. Online TV. Oh, yeah, yeah. Heard of that. Yeah. Have you heard of Netflix? I have. It's quite popular. They have released a Netflix Christmas special. It's called A Very Murray Christmas. Oh, this is the Murray Mint Spectacular. Yes. Everything sponsored by Murray Mint. No. There's a song and dance number all about peppermint. There's another one about spear. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's the Granddad famous... gets a speaking role. He's the world's grandpa, isn't he? <laughs> Bill Murray. So what I know about it is probably back in like March when Netflix announced that they'd managed to sign up Bill Murray. They released something on YouTube which looked quite tantalising and then I forgot all about it. But I got excited about the YouTube video and shared it. Anyway, I, you, you've well, seen whatever. it, have you? I watched it. Right. I've seen it this morning and uh, basically it features a, a plethora of celebrities. Yeah. So you've got Miley Cyrus. Yes. George Clooney. Yes. Michael Sarah. Sarah. How yeah. do you say that? I'd C-E-R-A. Say, I'd say Sarah. 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 Like Sarah. Sarah like Care. the name Sarah. 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 But I don't know if that's right. No. I quite Ma- like him. What's he been doing since Juno? He has been in, or is going to be in, Batman versus Superman. Is he? Yeah, he's like an evil person in that. Okay. I like that, that he might bring a bit of sort of hipster slacktivism to a superhero villain. 
So the idea of the show is Bill Murray's going to do a Christmas special TV show mm-hmm. uh, in New York in this hotel. And uh, there's this massive snowstorm. So the whole of New York shut down. So he's like, nobody's going to come. And it's going to be awful and that kind of stuff. Uh, and he's playing himself. He's playing himself. Everyone's playing themselves. Directed by Sofia Coppola, by the way. Mm-hmm. Is it cool or is it trying too hard to be cool? That's the thing that I'm curious about. Because I, I am someone uh, who should love uh, Wes Anderson movies, yeah. for example. And I sort of do. I, all of those films... I, I watched like the first half an hour and I'm like, well, the aesthetic of this is very cool. Yeah. I would buy all these clothes in Urban Outfitters. And then somehow after 30 <laughs> minutes, I find myself getting very bored because there's no emotion in it. Oh, no, I love all of those films. Really? Yeah. yeah. I just find them really cold and emotionless and nothing to grab hold of. I suppose they're a bit like Marmite, aren't they? I'm going to watch it. But I have a tradition with my mates the week before Christmas is what we always do is we watch really unbelievably shit Christmas films from history. Yeah. Um, so usually Jingle All The Way features prominently. Yes. Uh, this year... Is Schwarzenegger? It is literally the worst film ever made. Yes, yeah. it is Schwarzenegger. It's a good one. It's amazing. I mean, there's a sequence in it where a man, on purpose, detonates a parcel bomb into a radio studio, <laughs> <Yeah>. killing... <laughs> At yeah. least five people. Yeah. And it's played for laughs. Yeah. And yeah. The, the motivation is so that he can get a toy for his son. Just for a lol. It's hilarious. Oh. Uh, and anyway, we've discovered this year there is a sequel. Uh, about 12 years later, they've made Jingle All The Way too. So, no. um, yeah. So, no. Yeah. How's that, that going to turn out? And that's on Now TV. So that's my pre-Christmas uh, snacking. What else is in your hot list, Ollie Pitt? Porn. Right. Okay. Do you use porn? Do I use porn? Yeah, well, how else? What else? Do you, do you watch it? Like, use is like appropriate, isn't it? It's a, bit, it's a device, isn't it? It's like a tool. It's a facilitator. Mm. You use it. I mean, I'm aware of its function. Uh, I have dabbled in pornography, certainly. Okay. Do you know Pornhub? I have heard of Pornhub. Well, they've released a gift card. So if you do use it, you know, I might gift you one. What, like a voucher that you'd use for anything, like Amazon or iTunes? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the little cards... And you can get your name printed on it. I just find it a bit weird. And oh, how do you feel about it? I mean, if someone gave you one of those, would mm. you ever give one to someone? No, never. You would not do uh, it. I'm answering for you, but you wouldn't. Okay. It's ironised, isn't it? It's an ironised gift, I think. Unless you're giving it to someone who's who you know is a maybe real it's like, fan. Maybe, of... Well, maybe it's like the Amazon drone thing. It's a bit of publicity. If it is, and, and you're probably right that it is, the PR message they're trying to express, I guess, is... In polite company, it's okay to talk about Pornhub as a big company now. No, I think, not, yeah. Because there is that thing, isn't there? Like, here we, we were just talking about Netflix. Like, that's a mainstream thing, and it is. Right? They're but saying actually, we're the Amazon of porn, basically. They're, they're, exactly. They're saying. they're saying, look, here's a, a mainstream entertainment channel that yeah. everyone knows about, and yet it's not part of the mainstream conversation because people find it dirty, so let's talk about it. Yeah, but it won't ever be mainstream enough to see it on the counter of WH Smith, I don't imagine. I don't know that that's true. Do you think you would see a Pornhub gift card? I suppose you can get porn in W.H. Smith. Exactly. I don't think it's that crazy. But that's the point of the ad, isn't it? It's to say, look how far, pardon the pun, look how far we've come. Uh, You know, Pornhub (laughs) is now part of the mainstream conversation. The reason I asked you if you use porn, because I I don't. Are you you anti? I don't know. It's not that I mean, I find it degrading, but it does give me a boner. Yeah. Well, it gives me a boner. I don't use it. You have the the moral discipline to say, no, I'm going to watch something directed by Sofia Coppola. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just don't want to over Bill Murray. No, I just don't. I just, I'm just not really into it. I just don't get it. Like you always hear these things about that porn is actually really bad. People become addicted to porn and that yes. kind of thing. Yes. So is it the equivalent of giving somebody, I don't know, cigarettes for Christmas? I don't know. Well, booze. Actually, you give booze for Christmas. So basically, Christmas now is no longer about Christ. It's about booze, cigarettes and porn. Okay. It's quite a dark trend you've outlined <laughs> for us. But uh, fine. It's your choice. Yes. What else have you got in your bag of darkness? Zuckerberg, Mark. Yes, 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 yes. I, he, he. Apparently, you, you just say one name, and you know, like, uh, 
I was going to say like Madonna there, but it's obvious. Like Sonia. Anyway, I know what you're going to say. Go on. Uh, he's going to give away, was it 99 or... It is, isn't it? 99% of his shares to, to poor people or something. Well, yeah, but there's a bit of controversy behind it because essentially what he's doing, so he's, yeah, he's giving away 99% of his uh, stocks in Facebook, which yeah. equates to $45 billion. Well, Not it does f- now. Who knows what it'll equate to by the time he's yeah, actually giving it away. Just have a look at my stocks app and see what's yeah, going on. He, he probably knows that the company's going down the toilet, doesn't he? Yeah, so actually, ultimately, just put, put a couple of pennies in a jar for someone. Well, it's a grand gesture, isn't it? And I applaud the grand gesture, you know, as have the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do kind of think, yeah, but pay your taxes as well. Well, this is so what he's done, this is what I think you're referencing, is he's set it up as a limited company. Mm. And a lot of people are getting a bit uppity about that they said why can't you be a charity yeah. and the reason he's, he well, says and they, and they avoid paying taxes well there's certain tax breaks and it means that yeah. you can you I'm can, not saying it's illegal but no. like Google and Amazon and all those companies they do avoid paying their taxes but he's, he has come, come out fighting against this he said, he said the reason I'm doing it is because it gives me a level of flexibility within the organisation so it means that it, they can do more with that money yeah. than if they were to operate as a charity now that just very much depends on how much you trust them as a human being I suppose I do kind of trust him. I'm kind of like, yeah, it's quite nice. If you have that amount of money, it's quite nice to try and do something to change the world, but you want a level of control on that. But the other, the flip side so is that is... It's quite nice. It's, it's imperative, isn't it, so that you don't go completely bonkers? Well, I don't I know. Because you, 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 you could go the other way and just do loads of evil with it, couldn't you? <laughs> like Donald Trump or something. You could just go completely the other way. Yeah, well, just, some would say with uh, automatic location-based sharing, they already have done something evil. Quite <laughs> hard to turn that off. Oh, yeah, that's mm. true. Uh, well, Ollie, that was a, another tremendous... Uh, Zeitgeist featurette. It was. Very serious. I like the fact Bill Murray was in it, though, because normally if Bill Murray's in anything, it enlivens it. What's your favourite Bill Murray movie? Life Aquatic. Oh, really? I love that film. Do you not like that film? That's not the discussion. The discussion is you've just chosen anything over Ghostbusters and Groundhog Day. Oh, God, I do love Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day is one of the best films ever. It is good. Yeah. The one I've always wanted to see is the one... I had the poster on my wall when I was a child, but I never saw it. It's a family film we made in the 90s about an elephant. Can you not remember what it was called at all? No. Oh, God. Because I was actually looking through his old, uh, his old films today. Yeah, yeah. And I saw a couple that I couldn't remember the names. It, like it was Caddyshack a... or something. No, 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 no. no. Caddyshack's like a, a good, good old lads comedy from the 80s. This, oh, right. is, this is obviously shit. It's but, something he did for the money in the early 90s. Oh, uh, right. Because I imagine he did it for the money and it's probably terrible. I've always wanted to see it. Everyone's shouting. They know what it is. Sounds interesting. I might watch it. Anyway, if you've seen the Bill Murray film with the elephant in it, uh, or if you have a trend suggestion for Ollie to talk about on next week's show, uh, they can harangue you via Twitter. They can, at Ollie E-P, O-L-L-I-E, E-P. Super stuff. See you next week. Goodbye. Are you going to loads of Christmas parties at the moment, getting plied with free alcohol? Well, think of all that money you're saving. Why not buy us a beer to express your gratitude for us providing you with this marvellous, independent, free podcast? The average price of a pint of beer in Britain is £3.31, about five US dollars. Come on, you can afford to pledge us that in return for all of this pleasure we're giving you. If so, head to modernman, and click beer money like all of these wonderful people have done this week Yasmin, Irwin, James, Eddie Roger, Nathan Ron, Jim, John and SH. That's ten pints and now I'm drunk Thanks guys, you're the best I love you 
Coming up next, Alex Fox on sex. But first, the thing that should always come before sex in a polite society, the world of dating, which in this age of Tinder, Grinder, no-string sex and fourth-wave feminism has got rather complicated. How do you find someone you want to be with? What do you say to them when you meet? And how do you make sure you get what you want and they feel fulfilled as well? Uh, one lady who knows is the dating guru... Hayley Quinn. Uh, She has a series of podcasts out called Attraction HQ. Uh, According to the iTunes blurb, uh, that show is, quote, a definitive guide to having great relationships with women without changing who you are or becoming an alpha idiot in the process. Uh, She does a series for women as well called Love HQ. So presumably Hayley herself has followed her own advice and is now in the ideal relationship. Right? I am single and alone, <laughs> she says with resounding success. Basically, I know I, I I know what I want. That's a bold statement. I think I know what I want, you know, and, and because of that, I've Which got... Which is what? I would like a very particular kind of man to form a very long-term relationship with and have children with. Because of that, I'm now trying a new philosophy where if I meet someone and I honestly assess in my best consciousness and I go... Could this person be that person? If it, if it's a no, I'm just like, well, you know what? Rather than going on a date to distract myself or to fill up an evening or spend my time, I'm going to sit, literally, I sit on my butt and I go, right, all right, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to get used to being by myself. I'm going to get more comfortable with that. Because I think that part of the problem is and why people end up chasing their tails so much is that it's this endless carousel of distractions and options. And actually there's this fear of being alone, which underpins lots of people's rash decision-making process when it comes to dating. So I'm actively trying out myself, just sitting by myself for the next six to 12 months and seeing how that works out for me. And have you found that it's difficult? I think being patient generally is just a difficult practice. It's not an easy, it's not like a cool thing. It's not like patience and celibacy doesn't have a great PR campaign around it, particularly in the area of dating and, and love. However, I can say that the more I get into it, I've sort of reached this kind of more zen state now where I'm like, you know what, it's cool. I'll just make myself some nice dinner and I'll tidy that shelf instead. (laughs) And this is such a million miles away. Oh my goodness. If you could have seen me two or three years ago, I'd have been out dating men, dating women, dating men and women at the same time, having these love octagons all around me. And that was fantastic. But the end result of that was just chaos, you know, essentially chaos in my the people that I chose to spend my time with, how frantic I felt in my day-to-day life, the decisions I was making. So I've kind of chosen to do something completely different in the hope, you know, to break Einstein's theory of madness, you know, that I want to try and get some different results. And so how did you end up working in what, for want of a better phrase, I'd call the dating industry? It was a part accident and part revenge. And that's the truth. Uh, I had a nasty run in with a pickup artist when I was about 18 or 19. When he wasn't actually a pickup artist, he was a pickup artist fanboy, which is even worse. And uh, he broke my heart by going to Las Vegas and having an orgiastic experience with several female porn stars at the AVN Awards, whilst I thought I was his beloved girlfriend. Okay, there's a lot in what you've just said. So explain, (laughs) there's more, is there? (laughs) But wait, there's more. Okay, well, nonetheless, (laughs) at this point, I think it would be prudent to explain what a pickup artist is. Yeah, okay, so a pickup artist is essentially, typically a man who teaches other men how to seduce and pick up women. So it's a technique you can learn, or they they claim it is. Yes, and there's different factions and schools within the pickup artist world. So it doesn't just mean one thing. It's like a movement in art or something. It breaks down into several conflicting segments. So this guy 
he was actually a DJ and he was my favourite DJ and I went to see his concert and he picked me up there from the front row so that was easy. Half the work was done for him wasn't it? Technique yeah, I, or no technique? Yeah 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 definitely but the the point was we got on really well I actually went out with him for five years in the end so oh, we okay, did we right. did have quite a genuine thing there but he was really interested in this industry obviously I thought it was gross you know I was like what is this junk I started researching it online I then found out a book about a book called The Game which is a New York Times bestseller by Neil Strauss who's now done a completely different book and it's all about his journey through this world of pickup artistry I then looked up famous pickup artists on Twitter contacted them and through a bizarre chain of circumstances my first graduate sort of quasi job was doing ghostwriting on some of their blogs so I used to write seduction material or blogging as if I was a male 42 year old pickup artist living in New York and this was for Neil Strauss was it wasn't for Neil Strauss. It was for a guy called Wayne. Well, loads of them, actually. Wayne the Juggler Elise, uh, Ross Jeffries. He's been uh, on a Louis Theroux show. He's quite a famous hypnotist. Then after spending many years teaching men how to meet women during the daytime and in nightclubs and bars, I thought, this is rubbish. I want to work with women. So I then splintered off and started up my own company, started working with women, worked quite heavily also within the bisexual or bicurious women's scene as well I feel like I've seen all different angles of the dating industry whether it's you know dating apps pick up subculture dating culture for women and I've just gone you know what so much of this is complete junk and it's actually harmful to people what do all the clients of these pickup artists have in common their following is very diffuse you'd get people as young as 13 14 all the way up to I've had people contacting me that have been in their 80s so it's a big span of people and actually The genuine thing is most men are not creepy or weird or perverts or anything like that. Genuinely, the vast, vast, vast majority are perfectly good, decent guys who just, for whatever reason, they haven't kind of, or they don't feel like they've got the skills that they need to meet and attract women. They don't feel particularly secure about that area of their life. And they're looking for help and assistance to actually fulfill, which what I think is quite a basic human need, which is for human contact and for connection. It's not that they all want six girlfriends or to bed a stripper or something like that. Most of them would like a woman to like go on a date with, kiss and love, and that's it. I mean, put like that, the advice seems very straightforward. And yet, as you suggested, this this PUA industry is a big industry. Yeah. How, how do they make their money and what are they telling people? There's a couple of things that the pickup industry does. One, it will generally say that you need to learn stuff in order to accomplish something. And that really plugs into, I think, I think men sometimes approach dating through a much more, I would say, like achievement and performance based mindset than women do. So I'll hear guys say things like, I can't approach two women because I haven't got good at approaching one. So there's a there's an idea there that there's like levels to stuff that you have to get through and improve on. And what the pickup world does is it will systematize that and it will say, you know, level one, you get to a go and smile at a woman or say hello to one woman. Level two, you do that on the street. Level three, you build a connection with her. Level four, you break that connection and tease her a bit. Level five, you go in for the kiss. You know, it it stacks everything. It works though, doesn't it? And what you've just described, you know, it's gamifying it. It's a bit unpleasant. But that, that is a process it, that would work think for people. It, uh, it dep- well, it depends who the person is, what, what you're teaching them and what their goals are. Because gamifying stuff and codifying it and calling women a target, for most men, somewhere internally, the brakes go on and they go, actually, I feel uncomfortable doing this. I don't like myself. This isn't who I am. And in that, they either can't do the technique full stop, you know, or they feel horrible or twisted about doing it. So, no, it doesn't work. It only works depending on the teaching methodology and if it's right for the person. 
there are social skills that you can learn, but also ultimately, if you haven't sorted your life out, you haven't looked kind of to do some big fixes inside, no, no mystical magic bullet game technique one liner is going to save you. What's the most abhorrent thing that you find yourself involved doing? I mean, I wouldn't even say it was abhorrent. I would say there was funnily bad things. You know, I remember that when I was working for a, a big pickup training company in London they would offer you a 50 pound bonus if the man got to kiss a woman so there's things like that you would end up working with as a team of trainers to try and help this guy to get the kiss and on the one hand it's like oh squirm you're being paid to help him achieve something that's a sexual goal and something about that feels automatically a bit toe curly however it's also someone kissing somebody else if they like the other person is obviously not in an inherently evil thing. So you also have to be careful because I think men are told a lot of the time that any form of them, uh, you know, attracting a woman or approaching a woman is wrong and evil. I, I remember a guy, one of my clients last night said to me, you know, that he hadn't made a move on the woman that he'd been on two dates with he said because you just can't tell in the climate you know the current climate these days what's appropriate and what's not so it just doesn't do anything and the the problem there is without any steps forward the women never know that the man is interested in them and the man never gets to be with the woman he wants and often this man actually if he's conscientious enough to think oh I better not go there he's probably a pretty all right kind of guy actually that would be the kind of person that ultimately the woman might like to meet so whilst you have to be disparaging and call cool, something's abhorrent, you also have to be really careful, I think, about telling men that it's, it, sexuality is not inherently evil. So what you do now is you offer advice to people, not game-style advice, but your own version of this advice for people on how to find a partner, how to approach people and all the rest of it. Yes. You charge for this advice, but give us, in a nutshell, uh, an example of the kind of thing uh, that you would advise someone to do if, for example, you're approaching a stranger in a bar. Okay, approach a stranger in a bar, fantastic one. Right, I've got five principles that I think are important here. And these five rules, do they apply as well if you're talking to women, trying to pick up women, men trying to pick up men? Yeah, the first one is uh, getting somebody's attention uh-huh. is important. So here's the thing. If you sidle up next to somebody in the bar and say the lady is facing towards the bar, I think most people, particularly in London, are in some kind of zombie state. Like, I suspect their brain frequency is on a different level most days. So if she doesn't immediately react positively to you, it's not actually because she thinks you're horrible or evil or repugnant or repellent or any of those bad things. It's probably literally because she hasn't realised what you're trying to communicate to her. And let's be specific, in this situation, what I'm trying to communicate to her is... Hey, hey darling, I'm here. Look <laughs> right. at my new shirt. Right, right? exactly. Okay. So the thing is, you have to say hello or excuse me, and then there has to be a pause... And you have to literally wait for her to turn, engage with you and make eye contact with you. You'd be surprised the amount of times where the person is maybe halfway through ordering a drink, is looking in the other direction, is playing on her mobile phone and is in some kind of zombie state where if you just launch into that clever line that you were going to say, because she hasn't had time to stop and focus on your words, it's too quick, it's too fast. It goes in one ear and out the other and she gives you a funny look. You feel that you've been rejected. And in fact, it was just because you didn't have the simple principle of attention in place. And the issue of the line, uh, you know, that's pretty hackneyed advice, isn't it, from the old days? And yet again, you know, I meet guys all the time who say, oh, yeah, I always use this line and it always works. I, I don't know if things always work. I always teach people to say things that are specific to the person because no woman, obviously, wants to be the 20th woman that you've chat up that <laughs> night. Uh, so here's a good thing you can say. Observe something that she's doing and then phrase it as an I like. So 
Uh, I like how you've got three of the most weird looking cocktails or hey, I like how you just started dancing to that song or hey, I like how you ran off the dance floor because you hated it when Beyonce came on. Nice, yeah. yeah anything like that, but it's specific to her or hey, I like how you just pushed in at the bar or hey, I like how you patiently waited as other people went past you. There's like a million variations you can do. It's like catchphrase, say what you see, yes. but say I like <laughs> in front of it because that makes it positive and complimentary and it's also your opinion. So that's quite difficult then for the other person to refute. Excellent. Is that tip number two? That was actually tip number three. We skipped step okay. two, but two? I think What's two? two two is to acknowledge. So, for instance, if she's speaking to her friend at the bar, and you're like, "Oh God, I can't speak to her because she's speaking to her friend," yeah. I'm being rude. Yeah. Typical British fear. Yeah. You'd say, "Hey, pause. I know I'm interrupting, or I know I'm gate crashing." So it's yeah. tip number one is hey. Tip number two is I know blah blah blah. Tip number three is I like blah blah blah. You know- tip number four is my name is Matt. Da, da, da. Tip number five is say something about yourself instead of asking a question. Say something about yourself. yourself. So instead of saying, do you come here often? Yeah. So much better if you say, I don't know about you guys, but I almost didn't come to this party tonight. I was in a right stress, a right flat yeah, leaving yeah. work. Okay, that's a very clever example because immediately it's a question to them as well as being something about yourself. And also sharing information, right? Because people need to trust you before they want to speak to you. And so they need to know a few basic facts about yourself. So if you can convey that you are doing something with your life that you're based in London or in England or wherever they that you know their local area as well yeah, but how and you're do you doing turn something that into normal a, because the example you gave was a question as well as being a statement if yeah. I was just like I'm okay. Ollie I do a podcast right here's think, what well, you, you're a prick what's that well, you, well, you, need to, you need to put you need to pause and then yeah. you need to say I don't know about you but I blah 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 that's called an indirect question yeah right so instead of saying what's your favorite color you'd say I don't know about you but my favorite color is blue you know, I, it's interesting. It's been a long time since I've tried to pick up women in a bar. <laughs> but I do often try and pick up canapes at parties. Uh, and what I do is I notice if the food is coming out of the kitchen at the other end of the party, uh, I'll sidle up to where the food is coming out of. And often that involves gate crashing a group of two women. And I'll do exactly all these techniques. I've instinctively been doing it. But this is so I can get my hand on Sharitha. It's nothing all to right. do with sex. But it works. Well, that's, well, that's a beautiful thing. Well, it is. Pastry. well, you know what? These are actually just good social skills yeah. to have and mm. to know about generally, you know, and that's I think that's that's a nice way to think about it. And I teach not exactly the same, but relatively similar principles between men and women and also women approaching women or men approaching women. Well, now men approaching men is an interesting one right. because I'd imagine that you can be that little bit more direct. I mean, again, if you talk about the dating apps and you compare Grindr to Tinder, right. you know, it is a lot more sexually oriented. Right. So I think that's the general, and I, I don't like generalizations, general with guys, a bit more direct, women to women, depends what kind of environment that is in you know maybe in a, in a particularly like a lesbian or a gay bar different however if you are a woman and you're maybe bisexual or bi curious and you think that you might have a bit of a set say vibe with another woman how do you then go and put that across so that's a bit more codified it is a bit more codified because you need that other person to acknowledge that yes that's happening right you can't and- you can't assume in the heteronormative way oh, I'm a guy, you're a girl, we must be attracted to each other on some level. Right, and I think that's interesting because you often have to then think about how you can... And this works for men to women a lot as well, actually. A lot of attraction is reaction. So I think it's about how a person is responding the forward steps you take so the problem is if you don't take any steps forward and you're not able to compliment someone or just be focused or understand how to speak in that particular I'm attracted to you kind of language then you often don't kickstart there's no catalyst to the process of the other person becoming attracted to you often attraction isn't instantaneous often it's a slow burn thing in reaction to the stimulus you give okay so that's how to approach someone 
Let's say, actually, that for the majority of people listening to this who are single, they don't have this issue of approaching, but they do have the issue of where do we go? What do we do? You know, do you go to a bar? Do you go to a restaurant? What kind of restaurant do you go to? Okay, I would say to each individual, you should sit down and work out what your dating goals are. You know, whether that's a long-term relationship or you just want something casual, either is fine, but you need to be upfront about it and you need to adapt your strategy to suit that. So, for instance, if you're looking for maybe something you know, a bit more casual, then I would be choosing to go to a nice, you know, a nice a nice standard speakeasy cocktail bar will often serve you well. Book a table so that there's no stress and you have somewhere to sit down, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, arrive early and don't be late, you know, under, have a bit of an understanding of the menu. But d- does cocktail bar mean I want to drink and sex? Is that kind of what you're saying? Not necessarily. You've I think it just creates, a no, I think it creates a more of a, it's an obvious, it's a date, right? If you meet someone at a cocktail bar, as a speakeasy, you're on a date. Like that's, it's very clear. If you kind of meet somebody for coffee or lunch, good for getting to know people. But often if you're not very comfortable with being upfront about what your intentions are, it's not so obviously subcommunicated by the dating venue. I'd say actually, if you're looking for a long-term relationship, it does make sense to try and take things slowly, you know, mm. go for a walk or something, you know, go for something that's actually not that sexual where you can spend some time getting to know one another. I also think that um, saving your time and your energy is pretty important. So finding somewhere that's actually relatively easy to you to get to and that isn't going to be you trekking two hours across to the other side of London to then have a three hour dinner with someone that you walk in the door and that you just immediately know it's never going to happen. So a lot of the art as well with dating apps and dating sites is honestly to approach them in a way that doesn't incur more frustration and more of a sense of wasted time how do you as a man say i'm looking for a casual relationship how do you say that um i think what you could say is you could say something like you know it's been really fun hanging out with you i've really enjoyed your company obviously i find you really sexy you know i wouldn't say that i'm not looking to get involved in anything at the moment but if you want to hang out again i'd love to see you Okay, but that still involves going to the cocktail bar, at least. Yeah, it does. Like, I, I, I like that. I think you should try and... I, I'm, maybe I'm being terribly old-fashioned here, but I think before you should want to have sex with someone, you should want to have a conversation with them first, otherwise your standards probably aren't high enough. And also, I think that there's so many people, even in a really heterosexual setting, it's wrong to assume that, oh, there's a woman there and she's there plotting how to, like, snap you into apples, babies and marriage, mm. and you're there the dastardly man just wanting to have as many sexual partners as possible I think that's a load of rubbish I think there's probably just as many women who are in that state of mind where they think oh I just don't I don't really up for anything serious at the moment you just need to find people that are on the same wavelength as you that's not impossible and it actually becomes a lot easier when you become clear about where you are and what you want It is time for our weekly trip down the foxhole. Alex Fox is here with news of an exciting new sex-themed beauty pageant. Indeed. I have received an email this week announcing that uh, there is going to be the first ever scrotal beauty pageant. Wow. Yeah. For all those with golden gonads out there, with beauteous, fantastic testicles. And you can win $10,000 if you have particularly tasty testicles as well. What are the judges looking for? I think I'd, I'd like an average dangling height. If they, were, if they were like really, you know, bonging against someone's knees like a reproductive Newton's cradle, then I would be concerned. But equally, if they were right inside somebody's body and being suctioned towards their belly button, that would be a concern. 
So what do they win? In addition to winning the cash, the top three rated scrotums will apparently um, be three undergo 3D scanning and be turned into a variety of paperweights, doorstops, bookends and other decorative items. Perfect for Christmas, Ollie. Shall we move on to this week's question of sex? Yeah, uh, let's do it. It's from a man who says, I have a thing about ladies' feet, especially when they are wearing nylon. Over the years, I've come to the conclusion it's probably a fairly common fetish, but I fully expect I'd be labelled as a total weirdo if I was caught stealing the odd glance when the opportunities arise. So from a female perspective, and I realise Miss Fox sits at the very liberal end of the spectrum regarding this kind of thing, how weird is it for me to get turned on by ladies' feet in nylon? How it's common is a foot fetish? It's not weird. It's really not weird. Uh, foot fetishes are much more common in men than women, but they are the most common fetish in terms of people getting excited by a, a body part. But when you say a body part, presumably boobs and bum are still higher in the list. Yes. As opposed to like earlobes or yeah. belly buttons or, I don't know, left eyebrow. So I'm not surprised that foot fetishes are a big deal because there's a guy who for about two years, every week, would tweet me. He's finally stopped now, so I shouldn't really mention it. But every week for about two years would tweet me saying, Ollie, Ollie, when are you going to do us a foot selfie? And then he had a hashtag, Felfie or something. Felfie. Something like that. At first I thought, because it was a charity thing, or he pretended it was. So you'd click on his Twitter profile and he's like, we're raising money for people with some sort of world illness. Click on this link and you'll see, and you'd see he'd spam lots of celebrities saying, hey, at Stephen Fry, send me a Felfie. Hey, at David Mitchell, That's send me a filthy. That's really dark. And, and then I realised that actually no one was really looking at these pictures. It was clear that this guy was getting off on uh, the feet of people that he regarded as in some way That's renowned. quite naughty, really, posing as a charity to fulfil your own fetishistic fantasies. That's a big no-no. Well, if you're listening, Mr Felfi, I'm not saying that you didn't give money to charity. I'm just uh, casting doubt on whether really you just wanted to see my feet. Uh, some of my friends who are into feet are really into the idea. They like to put women's feet in their mouths, and one of them is really into grating off flakes of dead female foot skin with his teeth and oh, and he I can't believe he I didn't just spontaneously like a, vomit when you said that. He feels I like it's a kind of a free gift like if he gets a little bit of a, um, a a calloused snack from someone's feet. That's just rank. Our friend who emailed has said that he's particularly into feet in nylons. Yeah. There are a number of reasons why that might be. For a start that kind of semi-opacity is a bit of a tease because you can see part of the foot but not all of it. So there's that anticipation of what lays beneath. But you see that's the kind of thing I'd understand a man saying in 1895. But nowadays when, you know, every part of uh, a woman's anatomy is easily accessible online and in a, in a relationship, certainly, you're more likely to be able to see more of her body than her feet before you're married. Um, it doesn't seem that much of a tease. I know what's under there. It's a foot. Are you telling me that you don't see a beautiful woman wearing a sexy dress and yeah. feel attracted to her, even though uh, perhaps more so than you would if she was stood on the naked. bus completely yeah. stark bollock naked? Yeah, sure. well, not bollock naked. Cause... <laughs> sure, the definition of a curve, the tantalising glimpse of a cleavage. Yes. Her. Yeah. Our emailer has asked about how acceptable it is for him to indulge his fetish mm. in public places by looking at women who've not explicitly consented to him looking at them in that way. Yes. I think so long as he's not doing any harm or, or like you say, openly being salacious towards them, 
you know, they, they probably won't clock it, but we should probably encourage him to indulge his fetish in, in a in a, with a willing, consensual with a, Yes, exactly. Yes. Or there's also a lot of very specific, um, great foot fetish photography out there. There's a couple of photographers. There's a Berlin-based publishing company called Goliath, who makes some really, if you're into this kind of thing, really gorgeous hardback books entirely filled with photos of women wearing nylons and stockings. There's um, a photographer called Holly Randall and another one called Christine Kessler who specialise in that very type of photography. Well, another reason why our friend might like nylons is because they capture the smell and there's definitely an olfactory element to a lot of foot fetishism. Mm. People like the smell of the sweat and oftentimes... If shoes are, are made of real leather as well there's that there's that leathery element to the scent and i know a lot of guys who will buy used nylons and stockings off there's a there's a big trade going on on ebay but ebay themselves don't like it so lots of folk who are selling to foot fetishists have to use very particular terminology to get around ebay's selling rules so you'll you'll um, see listings for things like well-used, trashed stockings, or um, very, don't tell me very well. Shutting. No, no, it doesn't. Just, it just, what does it trashed just, means? Uh, that they've been worn for uh, worn and thrown away, worn, worn and not washed. eBay's rules, I think, state that all clothing must be washed before right. it's sent out. So saying things like trashed and well-worn yeah. is a way of making it sound like you might be selling something that maybe needs a bit of TLC and a few stitches, when in fact you're saying. I've had this on my body for a very long period of time. It's got molecules of my scent embedded into it. And if you're into used stockings or used tights or, you know, if someone's had shoes for a really long time and the imprints of their toes have have been kind of worn into them, that's a big foot fetishy thing. I did actually consider selling... I've got a pair of suede high heels, pink suede high heels. We've done a lot on this show for money, Alex Fox, but we're not going to start hawking off your old tights. Well, I did think about it because it's it's sort of a... It's an easy way to make a quick buck, but then I thought I might end up in a sticky situation there. What kind of money do you think you could have made selling oh, off your old Oh, people make feet? a lot of cash. People make hundreds of pounds. Yeah, it depends on who you are and how much you've worked to um, sort of create a persona, I yeah. think. Cause, um, so my lot- Felfi, I was right not to just... Uh- you shouldn't have given that shit away for free. No. no yeah, I reckon you could get 100 quid for Ollie Man's foot selfie. If you have a question of sex for Alex Fox for a future edition of the show, what do they need to do, Alex? Just head over to our website, modernman.co.uk, and fill in the feedback form. You can stay anonymous if you wish. Well, that is almost it for this week's show. Remember, if you're enjoying it and you want to buy us a beer to say thank you, we'll love you. Just go to modernman.co.uk and click beer money. Uh, subscribe to the show and leave us a review at itunes.com slash M-A-N-N Nico Namerson from the US has done that and thus becomes the official American ambassador to the podcast. He says we've given him a couple of good places to try for burgers next time he drives to San Fran and motivation to try whiskey one last time. <laughs> That sounds treacherous. Uh, thanks, Nick. Uh, please tell your friends about the show on Twitter using the hashtag ModernMan. Uh, and I'm on Facebook.com slash Man. Our theme tune is by Django Django from their self-titled debut album. And this is the Modern Man's pick of the pops for this week. It's called Sneakers. It's by Frankie Flowers. And it's out now on Turnstile Records. I've been Ollie Man, the producer, Matt Hill. We'll see you next Tuesday.
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.